0: Hello. This is Bespoke Speaks. I'm Christine, and I'm here with a good friend and colleague of mine, Dan Bird. Hi, Dan. Hey. How you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing?
1: Not bad. Yeah.
0: So, Dan and I work together at Arts Ed, which is a drama school, and we both teach on the BA Musical Theatre course. So, I teach voice and speech. And Dan teaches the acting, and we work quite closely together. And Dan is also a director. So Dan, would you like to say a little bit about yourself? And
1: uh, yeah, so I've uh, been a director for like, I don't know, 12 years. Uh, largely working in a lot of work with young people. And for a period of time, a lot of work creating interactive uh, productions mm. where the audience are part of the part of the story making process or storytelling process so that was a big chunk of work and then throughout that I've just done a lot of drama school work hmm. particularly um, tr- particularly working with students on third year productions but also in teaching kind of trying to make the thing I'm really interested in, I guess is in but really clear storytelling yeah. so that's the, that's the the main angle of Stuff that I've done before being at ArtsEd was was trying to shape, trying to give the students the, like the arc of a character, mm. and then that's kind of led into teaching stuff at said like working with the first years primarily, mm. and giving them a bunch of basic stuff so that they can independently be telling stories rather than just taking direction. That's yeah. The thing that yeah, frustrates me.
0: Yeah. So as in, like, they're coming into the room and they already have choices and thoughts. Exactly, about, yeah. So, yeah.
1: so for, for particularly the work that I did with my company, Bad Physics, mm-hmm. we required actors who were very much... Quite a few of them came from stand-up backgrounds who, who were capable of t- taking a story forward, but also because it was interactive, moving sideways, responding to what an audience member might give them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to be, like, really, really malleable, really thinking on their feet. And I think it just... It, It it coloured all of the work I've done, even if it's just like straight theatre. In that, I don't really have that many ideas, or what I want is a bunch of people who turn up and have loads of ideas, and I just like pick and choose that. Yeah. And that's what uh, we're trying to really do with with the empty students at the moment is give them as much agency, so they are equal creatives, Mm -hmm. um, and they're not. And I think there's a really big thing with like often with musical theatre students because there are bits of their disciplines which are of being told what to do yeah. and I think that they particularly arrive here not being particularly good at knowing what they think about stuff and making their own feel, feeling comfortable and empowered to make their own creative decisions and I think yeah. we do pretty good work in the first and second year getting them to discover that and then inevitably they get to the third year and I think the first bit of those rehearsal periods they're immediately like why do I just going? Well, tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what we're trying to do is is change that culturally a bit, mm. so that they feel like they are equal creatives.
0: Yeah, that and takes that some their adjustment. F- yeah,
1: yeah. I, it, it really does because they're also they're young and they've not probably been given that much autonomy and that much uh, ability to do stuff. And there is just that inevitable hierarchy and there's that inevitable fear of. I'm suddenly in a third-year show and I just want to look good. I want to like...
0: And I've got to hit these dance steps and I've got to hit this this note at this specific time. Exactly. And within that, how can I be creative with my acting essentially? And in a way that can be helpful in some senses because you know you have a structure that you can be creative within. So how do you not let the structure kind of take over?
1: Exactly. And I think there's a real... I think there's probably a psychological hierarchy of these are the things I've got to do first and then at the end of it I might think about what I'm doing with my acting Yeah, and I, and I think yeah. you mm-hmm. can kind of see that in work through the school but particularly I think by the time of performance that's generally solved itself mm. but you can see it in the students in those first few weeks of rehearsal where actually what's happening in the scene or what's happening with their character is just like so low down the hierarchy, mm-hmm. and hopefully, what we're doing is trying to trying to get them engaged, so that it's part of that process, part of learning the the steps. Yeah, is character it's being motivated
0: by the character exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Who knows how successful that is going to shape up to be? But very
0: successful. Oh, well, of course, <laughs> we're going to be extremely successful. <laughs> And in your experience as a director and in your experience as yeah. an acting teacher, I'm just curious from from your perspective, like what are you wanting from actors vocally?
1: The thing that I get a bit obsessive about hmm. uh, is color. I was thinking about this. Is basically like very, very often you go and see something and an actor will... Sit in a particular pitch range. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to get stuck where where inflections get very repetitive and and the pitch range gets really repetitive. Yeah, and a bit and a bit stuck. Um, and I suppose the thing that I like always I'm trying to find is or, or trying to hope that actors bring is is an instinctive sense that particularly pitch, but pitch dynamic attack, all that sort of stuff, all of the qualities. Are giving. I doing two things. One is giving varieties, almost for for variety's sake, in some ways, mm. that so that so that our ears don't get stuck in a pattern. Because I think if my ear gets caught up in a particular vocal pattern, a particular vocal pitch, I suddenly, I, it's I, hard to
0: hear anything else. Hard to hear, and I get a bit yeah.
1: fixated on it, and then I'm kind of like, oh, I actually, haven't really listened to anything you've said. Yeah. But more than that is that is the ability to. Make the voice do what the text is trying to do so properly. So it's the the, the, the text element is that every single thought is has been thought through yeah. really clearly. But is the, the connectivity of the text to the actual world it's talking about. So one of the things we do, I'm doing in classes at the moment, is getting is like breaking down each each uh, line of text and connecting it to anything that exists in the real world. So I don't know, it, it's maybe like the idea of a target. Mm-hmm. I'm never quite sure quite how those that, that terminology works. Mm-hmm. But trying to make sure that if you are talking about a particular thing, then you have either like the actual experience of it. So if I'm talking about the cup that I'm drinking from, then that's actually there and I'm making a proper connection to it. Mm-hmm. Or, this is what we are working on a lot at the moment, is the imaginative connection to a thing that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. but if you make it in your head exist, then it's, and it just has that texture of reality. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's the thing that I get kind of particularly stuck in, is, yeah, it's trying to use... For me, it really, really often is pitch mm. to just give as much colour as possible so that, it, so that then everything feels spontaneous and so that everything is responding to the beat-by-beat yeah. So it's also happening.
0: differentiated from moment to moment. Exactly. Because yeah. there's, there's something
1: about like when an actor gets very end game, like they know what the end of the scene is, they know yeah. what the end of the thought is. Then everything is just kind of building to there. Yeah. And you can hear it in in the, the the technicalities of their voice that you go, well, I know where this is headed because yeah. you've already set it up in your tone, mm-hmm. in your pace, in your delivery. Whereas I want to get there as late as possible. Yeah. That's I think the big thing is it's always getting everywhere as late as possible by going down lots of. Not red herrings, but like little side roots of thought and the sparky spontaneity. So we do quite a bit of work uh, with the foundation students who are working on monologues, thinking about like light bulb moments where mm. a thought pops into their head or moments of bravery. So just trying to trigger that that thought isn't the same as the last thought and what's the easiest way of differentiating when well, a, di- a pitch differentiation mm-hmm. tells me that it's a different thought whereas actually you've just said four sentences
0: exactly and they all the seem
1: like they are the same thing and ultimately they are the same idea but they're four different versions of the same idea
0: yeah
1: so that's I think the big
0: yeah, that is a big one. Mm. And that kind of gets to the crux of where voice work and acting work meet. Absolutely. Because your voice isn't going to change if you don't have that differentiation of thought. Mm. And if you, um, even just in terms of knowing like what your actions are or what your objectives are, if you're not yeah. really clear on what you're doing with that particular yeah. thought, what you're trying to say, who you're trying to reach, then your voice has no reason to shift. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something to be said about like those things linking, And something we do a lot too, especially um, I do this a bit more on the acting course than on the MT course, but I'm going to try to bring it in a little bit more with the MT courses, even just getting them to, to speak their lines in gibberish yeah. so that cause sometimes people get too comfortable with the words and they, even though words are important, they let the words do the work for them as opposed to communicating yeah. the words vocally and physically. So like doing the same things in, in gibberish, if that's something that you are getting a note about a lot as an actor, that might be something you could consider doing as a way of doing what Dan's talking about. Of how do I actually find not just the whole thought but the specificity of the journey of the yeah, thought yeah, yeah, as well?
1: That's great, it co- kind of connects to a thing that we do, which is about really listening to what the previous person's done. So, there's a text, text exercise I picked up years ago. I was a staff director at the National, and it was one of the voice teachers uh, or voice, the head of voice, mm-hmm. did this exercise, which is just repeating the previous person's line. Mm-hmm and asking it as a question. And we spend loads of time That's in the set up after Christmas. No, maybe it's not. Maybe it's after this half term. Doing exercises which are not about your line. They're about really thinking, basically like what, what has triggered you to speak. Somebody said something and, and, and like forcing the processing of, okay, you said this thing. What do I think about that? Oh, okay, well, I reckon I think this, this is the response. Mm. And trying to really make one line be a proper thought through response yeah. to the previous line because obviously in real life you, our brains process it but they are processing that in the same level of detail mm-hmm. you just have to find the fake version of it yeah. because again it's, it's really frustrating when a line is delivered and it feels inevitable it feels, yes. it feels like it's, it's the thought you've already had before the other person has spoken
0: yeah and you've just been waiting to say it yeah exactly yeah.
1: And so we, we, we've like, we've definitely, we did some good work last year, but it's a thing I think you have to just constantly be reminded of. And, it, and it's just practice. So that's why one of the things when, for, for the shows that I created with my company, having stand up comedians and improv comedians, you, you have that instinct, well, not instinctively, but they've worked really, really hard to go not just. I've been given something to really listen to the detail of what has been delivered to me because what I need to do is take that and then convert it into something else yeah. and it's such a joy when you're working with an actor who can properly like bounce an idea backwards and forwards that's, yeah. the, that's the really thrilling bit that the text is like spontaneously happening in that moment and and is a direct response to the, the specific thing you just said
0: hmm yeah. Actors get really caught up on their own lines, don't yeah. they? And actually a huge part of the communication process is the listening process. Yeah, totally. And that's such a beautiful way to work on it, of having them repeat yeah. their, the other person's line. And, and, it's, and
1: it's such a like such a, a cul-de-sac that I think actors get stuck in. Mm-hmm. Is, is you learn is basically you learn your lines and you learn, like, okay, I've got the first five lines. Yeah. I, I think, well, very often there's a really arbitrary process for learning lines. I know, like, mm-hmm. years and years and years ago when I acted, I would go, like, I'm going to get the first ten in my head and then I'm going to get the next ten, I'm going to get the next ten. Mm. But that isn't... That's a completely artificial way of... Like, your thoughts aren't processed ten lines at a time. Yeah. Your thoughts are processed based around, like... What i call an event when something changes. Mm-hmm. So actually, learning text in in sections that have a logical, like character or narrative. Yes. I don't know journey to them, rather than rather rather than making line learning a, a, a technical. I don't know, like a by rope kind of thing. Trying to find a way that learning lines is. Connected to the, what the character's doing in that moment.
0: Yeah, and part of the experience of the scene. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And then making it not actually be about learning lines, but making it learning about learning responses, I guess,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: so that each thing is not the next thing that I say, it's the next response I have, the next thought I have. Yeah. Um,
0: and that makes a lot of sense of going back to what you said at the beginning of people's voices staying in the same pitch. Yeah or in the same range or on the same trajectory I mean your voice just won't do that Mm. if it's in response to someone absolutely yeah like it just doesn't happen so if you're learning it as a response and then you're keeping that flexible based on what's actually going to happen in the moment yeah then your voice is going to respond more fluidly
1: yeah it does it's picking like it's that thing about it just be we pick up on so many little nuances Mm. and ultimately it's just loads of different tactics to persuading that person or like I don't know, capturing that person's imagination, hmm. and then sometimes like faking, like doing exercise where you where you fake the pitch really high or really low, yeah. where you do basically force yourself to do something else. Yeah. Um, because you because I do think we we're attuned, and I don't know. I come from a slightly musical background, which so I think I'm I just am I get just a bit hung up if the tune stays the same. Like I really like. Melodies that move about, and I find yeah. melodies that stay in a narrow band. I get a little bit frustrated by. Yeah, and but I, I think, think that's
0: very human. Yeah, I think we will stop listening if yeah. everything sounds the same because it's too hard to pay attention because it's just a repetition of what's come before. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think. You're and I think most right.
1: people though don't like uh, kind of like saying in, in real speech you don't do that mm-hmm. because because ultimately like subconsciously somewhere we're trying to affect that person, we're trying to do a thing to that person yeah. and we know that if we just stick, you have to be really kind of self-absorbed just to be ploughing your own furrow rather yeah. than going, ah oh, that thing that thing, that thing yeah. and like constantly checking in Again, subconsciously subconsciously checking in with the person that you're talking to to go did they get that bit? Yes. Oh therefore I can move on to the next bit.
0: Yes, exactly. So it's you're listening even as you're talking because yeah. you're watching body language to see how it's being received. Yeah. And that's helping differentiate as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's something we talk about too. And that that goes back to even like actors get really hung up on how they should feel. Mm. And sometimes that's why they put a tone on something. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. they, they think, Oh, this is what the character must feel. But I think part of what you're saying, and I think what we advocate here yeah. is that, like, if you just try to do something to somebody else, you're gonna start feeling something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because they're either cooperating with you or not cooperating yeah. with you, or but getting like, it or not getting it. Yeah, the
1: feeling is is a symptom of the thing you did. Yes, which it is in real life. Like yeah. you don't.
0: We're not walking around trying to feel all the time. Yeah, we well, just I think we're tr-
1: I think we're kind of actively trying to not feel exactly. it the time. It's like yeah. we're, you're, you're just busy doing shit and then you happen to feel things and actually feeling stuff is
0: gets very often a pain in the arse. Yeah, that's
1: so true. Like sometimes feeling stuff is like, oh, it's, so, it's been so great and you, and you like wallow in that moment. But then actually you're going, oh, you want another hit of it. Basically yeah. you want your fix of, like if it's an enjoyable thing. yeah. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, that thing... Even
0: about, if you're enjoying it, we're not going around all the time trying to show our feelings yeah, yeah, yeah. to everybody either. We're not going like, hey, this is how I feel right yeah. now.
1: Well, some people do. Well, some people but do. But those people are really quite hard to be <laughs> around.
0: Yes, that's true. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because because as soon as someone starts telling you that they feel a particular way, A, you, you don't believe it, because, like, why would you tell somebody? And also yeah. then you just go, oh, well, I'm, re- I'm never, ever going to feel that. Mm-hmm. Like, if somebody starts... Showing you that they feel a particular way, you, you instinctively shut down and go, Well, yeah, I don't want you. You're, you're completely negating my opportunity of experiencing that.
0: Yes, yes, interesting. Was... So interesting that it's like that in life, and yeah. it's also like that when you're watching it on stage. Yeah.
1: I even yeah. well, probably even more so, yeah, because it's just like it's self indulgent. Yeah. Whereas that thing of allowing yourself that's one of the ways that like, we do a lot of the very early stuff with the first years is, is, is perform a, like an imaginative exercise and then I just ask well how did it feel mm. and go okay well that, that feeling then is a the thing that was a result of it was a result of you thinking of, you, you're imagining this you were trying to connect to this particular idea mm. and it made you feel this well if you connect to that particular idea and you make me connect to that particular idea then maybe I will feel that mm-hmm. rather than Reverse engineering about and going right. Well, that's what that's the effect I want it to have. Mm -hmm. So how do I get there? Mm -hmm. You can you can trick yourself. You can know well if 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 I connect to this particular imaginative idea or this temperature or texture or whatever, it might produce this effect. Yeah. And I think you're right that there's there's that sense of this is what it should feel like. So I'm going to feel that thing. Mm. But then. It just there's nowhere really for it to go there's only one version of it there's yeah, the version you've right. already decided in your head yeah. rather than the slightly surprising Ah, oh, well it's, it is that feeling Is that like emotional response but it's, it's got like it's come from a bit of a weird place
0: yeah and there can be so much more to it than that because mm. we're never just feeling one thing yeah, yeah yeah anyway yeah and
1: then tying it back to that like, the, the idea of like pitch and voice is that we can just pick up so many bits of so many bits of nuance, like it's those moments of like a crack in the voice, it's those moments of yeah. something that's surprising that you didn't quite notice. Mm.
0: And that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah,
1: totally. And yeah. That's, that's, that, that, that's actually then the the big thing that goes through the whole of this first year's work mm-hmm. is that we're trying to get them to notice that in other people and basically notice that that is, I think that is character, that moment when a person's voice breaks or there's a tiny little beat or there's, there's just this moment of surprise, in that gap I think is the moment where you go, oh, they're that kind of person. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I do kind of think we're defined by the, the actions we take mm-hmm. but I think actually it's, it's in the moments of conflict or moments of choice, like oh, am I going to do that, am I, am I going to do that, in those moments of, held tension often when you're not speaking mm. or something complex comes through i think that's the moments when we fall for someone or we mm-hmm. hate we like we distrust someone it's that moment when the voice it like a poker tell mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. those seem to me like the really interesting bits when you're not because in real life like you've got a sense of the thing you're trying to do subconsciously but it's the moment when you when you fuck up a little bit, when you when you give it a you you get the your your brain reveals something that you didn't intend it to reveal mm-hmm. through your voice. That's a really interesting bit.
0: Yeah. That's so useful, I think, for actors to hear from your perspective. Because I think sometimes actors think that voice work is about ironing out that stuff yeah, yeah. and making things sound really clean yeah, and yeah, really yeah. nice. But that's not exact what it's opposite. about. Yeah, yeah. It's about learning how to let your voice be a, be a conduit for your inner life, yeah, whatever yeah. is going on, instead of hiding or suppressing or masking yeah. your inner life. And yeah, if that means it cracks or that means it wavers or that means it surprises you, like, that's the game. Like, yeah, that's yeah, what we're going totally. for. Yeah.
1: That thing about, like, ironing things out, I think actors definitely... Get a sense of that because because there is this idea there are those actors who are so famous for having like yeah, the nice voice, voices.
0: yeah, yeah,
1: and that's such an old-fashioned idea,
0: yeah, and it's especially true in the UK. Yeah, it's a really yeah, popular oh, it's, idea it's in the UK. It's like
1: so fetishized mm-hmm. that like rich RP thing, whereas actually what you want on stage is voices that. Like really connect, mm-hmm. really connect to a human being, mm-hmm. and and not the the actor's voice. Yeah. That suddenly, oh, I'm going to put on this slightly pompous, yes, measured thing because I think that's what actors do. Yeah. Whereas actually, let's just get that's just a thing that's getting in between me and you. Yeah. Like I, and, and I very quickly just go, oh, it's quite frustrating.
0: Yeah. And it does go kind of into a pattern yeah. goes that into then a it's pad- hard to And hear. actually, it's a
1: bit. Makes you a bit sleepy. So sometimes... (laughs) So I find people who... I find listening to audiobooks of fiction... I I find it really difficult to follow because I... because They they, always have a tone. They always have a tone and they're quite nice to listen to. But they're too nice to listen to. And I go a bit like, oh, well... And then I'm like, I actually haven't listened to anything you're saying. Whereas audiobooks of um, non-fiction tend to be read by the author. And they have this really untrained sense of when well, I'm just going to talk it there's lots of other issues with it, like there's inflection issues that, that, that non-fiction mm-hmm. authors fall into.
0: But because they're connected to their words, yeah. there's much more of a sense of there's a, connection there's, to the thought. Exactly, and, yeah. and actually
1: it just keeps you awake and it keeps, keeps you alive. Mm-hmm. They tend to, they're not not aware of any of the poetry in it mm-hmm. and I just think when people are aware of like the language and the poetry of the language then they're a bit like, oh well that can do the work. Yeah. And then I just, I get like sleepy. I mean, it's quite nice sleepy. Yes. Yeah. But, but I don't really follow the story.
0: Yeah. So when you need a good nap, yeah, exactly. you listen to an audiobook. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Just put it on a drift off.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, that sounds lovely. So I think what I'm getting from this generally, Dan, is that really it's useful when actors know how to approach a text vocally in a way that they're really bringing it to life yeah. and connecting to their own experience yeah. of the text which then just naturally brings that kind of more pitch range and that, that... Yeah,
1: it's natural, but it's also, I really value the the ability to fake all of that stuff. Yes, it's to just, find it. Just to, do, just to do some mad stuff with yeah. it and then see where it leads. Yeah. And like happy accidents. So being in a rehearsal room where actors feel able to just try like like weird stuff... Yeah, kind not 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 just for the sake of it, but they will be playful and they'll like be deliberately not messing about. But I'm trying to think what it is, but deliberately like trying a bunch of different things, trying to like slightly get a laugh. And I don't mean like playing the scene to get a laugh. I just mean being irreverent that's what I'm trying to say being irreverent with what's going on and doing slightly weird stuff and then it reveals a little something
0: and then making discoveries from that so like being bolder vocally than maybe you normally would be and that doesn't mean that's the final version of what happens but you might discover something from what happens especially if this person speaks in a different rhythm than you do yeah Yeah.
1: and then, then you just spend the entire rehearsal period like just cherry picking all the really joyful bits yeah Rather than trying to like machine tool someone to get to a particular
0: yeah place, that's not so fun.
1: there's there's almost no fun in that because then what all you've really done is like shape something in the way you hear it in your head. I used to be like a bit weird about that when I was much younger. I'd hear it in a particular way and be like, oh, it's kind of got to be that way. Yeah, and then I quite quickly realised that there's no joy in that because actually it might sound. That's just my taste. That's just what my year happens to be. Yeah. Whereas people who do, like, make slightly mad choices, and you go, Phew, that is so far from mm-hmm. the way I've heard it in my head, but it makes sense, or mm-hmm. well, therefore that's great, and I'm listening to it more because it was a bit mad.
0: Yeah. And that's the other thing kind of coming out of this is that... The listening part of the process is just as important, if not more so, because everything is being said in response. Mm. So the more that's being focused on not just what's happening in your lines, but what are the events that are going on that are leading you to say the things that you're saying, then there's more of a responsiveness in the voice combined with those bold choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. great stuff. Cool. That's great advice, Dan. (laughs) Anything else you'd like to say?
1: Uh, I don't think so.
0: Is there a way that people could like, find out more about you? Do you have like, a well, website? I, I or? did
1: have a website, but it's, uh, it's died. Oh, right. The, and okay. so whether it... Ever resurfaces, I don't quite
0: know. Oh, that's okay. So we'll leave people with some mystery. Yeah, exactly. Then around yeah. you, you can check Dan out on the Arts Ed website. I think his name is on My there. My name's
1: on it. I don't think there's any info about me on it. I don't oh, think there's even a picture.
0: Well, you can read his be name. A, be a man on of the mystery. Arts yeah. Ed website, and we'll leave you a man of mystery yeah, for now. Exactly. And like if that. you want to know more, you just have to come to Arts Ed and, and train with us. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So thanks so much for joining us no today, thank Dan, you. and thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye.